The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. How high will mortgage rates go this summer and what impact will that have on home prices? This is The Principle. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. I spoke last week with CoreLogic's Deputy Economist Selma Hepp about her predictions for mortgage rates and the housing market. Let's hear what she had to say. And so I just kind of wanted to get your sense for, I know everybody can disagree on this, but like for what's going to happen with with mortgage rates um, this summer. Right, right. <laughs> the big question. <laughs> I know. Oh, so yeah. What is your prediction for like what's going to happen with mortgage rates um, over the summertime? Right. So, you know, I um about a, like a week or two weeks ago, I was pretty convinced that the rates would start coming down. You know, which they have kind of been coming down over the last couple of weeks or a week, or it's, it's sort of hard to keep really a pulse on on day to day changes. But you know, and because we follow many other data points, but um, you know, I think the concern now is there's so much communication from the Fed. It's almost like. I wouldn't say over communication because, you know, I think they're trying their best to prevent the hard landing. Um, and so hence they're doing a lot of communication, a lot of uh, updates, a lot of, uh, you know, Federal Reserve um uh, CEOs are talking, you know, when you think back in the day, you know, it was maybe once a quarter, you know, when they would do updates, but now there's so much more. And so I think markets uh, respond much, much more rapidly. Right. And, and so I think the surge that we had of uh, over two percentage points since March was a very quick uh, reaction to what the feds were saying, the federal reserve. And so I think, um, in more, more recent weeks, so yeah, over the last few days, you know, there was uh, Janet Yellen talking, and 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 President Biden, and there were other uh, government officials uh, responding to questions around inflation and how important it is to uh, reel the inflation expectations back in. It's really inflation expectations that we're most worried about at this point, um, and so I think that may have, you know had some impact on how markets perceive uh, the aggressiveness of Federal Reserve going forward. And and so they certainly seem like they're going to be very, very aggressive, even if it means overshooting in the short term. So I think for June, at least, uh, we may see some reverse back to upward trends. So maybe picking up of interest rate gains again after this week or so of slowing. But it's really so hard to tell, you know. I mean, it's 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 really you know shooting in the dark at, right now. It's it's uh, 
um, a lot of moving parts, you know, but at the end, I think, you know, we're going to be up and down around 5.5%, um, maybe five, six, maybe five, seven, you know, but, but going back, I think overall for the rest of the year, we're going to be oscillating around 5.5. Do you think that's going to have an impact? I know Fitch just came out with, um, a report saying that, um, that the year-to-year drop-off in mortgage originations exceeded their expectations, and they, you know, are indicating that there's going to be a larger decline in mortgage originations than maybe the MBA or Fannie Mae have have predicted. Yeah, no, I mean that's definitely a concern because when you think about uh, how much um, refis we had last year. Uh, about 90% of loans are now below 5%. So there is very, very little incentive left for people to refi. Um, and so any basically anybody who could have refied, refied, you know, the remaining couple percent uh, out, people of, out, out there that have mortgages that could re- above 5% that could refi, you know, probably are not in the money or, or there are other, uh, other considerations uh, uh, holding them back from refining. So I think yes, that they may that may lead to uh, contraction of that mortgage spread. You know, um, uh, the, right now mortgage spread is pretty wide. It's certainly wider than it's been uh, even prior to the recent um, pandemic. And so you know, I think to some degree, um, you know, there was there was. Um, you know, the cautiousness in terms of uh, Federal Reserve pulling out of the market and pulling out of the mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. But I think as we get more used to the current environment, that mortgage spread will will shrink. Uh, and if, if not for one big reason, uh, but that they will be wanting to, uh, mortgage renders will be wanting to bring in more, more refi activity again. Okay. And then how much... Does Fed policy? I mean, obviously, there's there's only one thing that the Fed can control. They can't control um, the war in Ukraine. They can't control the supply chain issues. They can't control how much baby formula is being made. <laughs> so, um, how difficult is it to gauge those? You know, I, I guess the Fed has given us a lot of information. They've you know forecasted, you know, or indicated what they plan to do. But how much do those other factors then um, influence the the process, specifically thinking about mortgage rates? Well, yeah, I mean, it it does impact it a lot because if you have, you know, um, for whatever reason, flood to safety again, you know, to U.S. treasuries and and then, you know, or demand for mortgage-backed securities from, from uh, you know, a foreign investment coming in that may drive mortgage rates down. So uh, there are very, very, there's a lot of uh, factors out there that, 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 that are driving mortgage rates. It's not just the Federal Reserve. And so... Right. And so as you're, you know, as an economist looking at this, I mean, it's got to be overwhelming. We have an overwhelming amount of information, but we also have this overwhelming amount of uncertainty. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's why, you know, it's 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 so hard to just pinpoint, you know, one way or another where, you know, when it's it's really one of the hardest questions for me to answer most of the time is what's going to happen mortgage rates with some precision. You know, I can tell you they're going to go up 
up or they're going to go down and maybe, you know, between five and six percent. That's my favorite answer at this point, because really it could go either way. Um, but, you know, we what we, you know, when we when you forecast the rates, you look at what best information you have right now. You can't, you know, see see the future so you're going with what best information you have right now and so with best information that we have right now we think you know about 5.5 percent but but again anything can change this uh on a dime <laughs> do we think that there's going to be a free up of a little bit more inventory kind of you know the people who are fatigued or the people who are just you know, frustrated and like, I guess I'm going to rent for the rest of my life. Um, are kind of like, all right, I'm I'm giving up on this for for the time being. And you know, are there more houses on the market? Is that going to drive housing prices down a little, maybe? Well, so we already are seeing some people falling out of the market, right? Um, some particular first-time buyers, you know, it's become prohibitive, prohibitively expensive for them to, to come in, particularly if they don't have large down payments. Um, so we are, you know, so with less demand out there, so with less demand out there, we are obviously going to see less competition in the market. And so fewer uh, bidders bidding on what, whatever is available, uh, homes are available out there, which will bring the rate of appreciation down. So we certainly do think that a, a rate of home price appreciation is not going to stay at where it is right now. We're at about 20% home price appreciation, which is very unsustainable. Um, so that rate of appreciation will come down and it will probably slow significantly to single digit rates uh, a year from now. Uh, so our forecast has a home price price appreciation at about 5% a year from now. So, you know, and that's 15 percentage points slower. Um, but uh, in terms of the inventory, what's interesting is it's not so much that there is that, you know, there is um, more, the, the days on the market are longer right now because there are fewer buyers, buyers out there and people are, you know, taking maybe a little bit longer to make that decision because it's that much more expensive now. But, um, it's not that we see so much increase in new listings. It's that that inventory that is currently available uh, is sitting out a little bit longer. So that's going to make it seem like the inventory is uh, is, is is much higher. But it's just that um, you know the available inventory is, is is around for a little bit longer, which is good for buyers again because it gives them a little bit of a breathing room to to uh, you know make that decision as opposed to you know jumping on immediately on anything that that pops up on whatever feeding uh, uh, feeding. Uh, um, Frenzy. <laughs> yeah, you know, or whatever, wherever they get the information on the immediate listings, you know, so the feeding program, I'm thinking of Redfin, but I didn't want to mention the name. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, like, the apps, the, the home yeah, apps. Yeah. 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 Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. Is it the houses? I mean, I've been, you know, I recently refinanced in March because of a divorce. Um, Mm -hmm. But luckily, I was able to get 4% at that point um, and lock in. I know. (laughs) Um, But is the inventory that I'm seeing out there, it's kind of like, well, I'm in New England. so 
older homes on busy streets, like maybe need some upgrade that isn't necessarily going to be desirable to a first time home buyer who's having to pay more, you know, at, at the get go, um, because they don't, they don't have a house to transition from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of um, variation in how much home price growth slows by neighborhood. So, you know, if you have a very desirable neighborhood and you have this, you know, huge population of millennials that are approaching home buying age and they want to stay in that neighborhood, you know, whether that for good schools, whether it's other amenities that they're looking for, um, you know, it puts it, it, it keeps the demand in those neighborhoods strong and hence the home price appreciation. Whereas if you have a, a home, like you said, on a busy street, not updated, you know, for whatever reason, you not likely to get a lot of offers. That home price may not go gain so much price appreciation as the other ones. So uh, it will now. I think you know when you have a very frenzied market, people are just buying whatever is available out there. But when you have a little bit time to think about it, I think you uh, those other things become more important, and so it, they you know that will be capitalized into the price of that home. Okay. Um, is there any is there any one thing that you look at when you when you look at um, you know when you forecast you know where we're going to be and in, in three months from now is there anything aside from obviously what the Fed says is there anything in your economic forecasting that is like you know like your little secret like if you're watching I don't know maybe it's the price of milk or something I don't know <laughs> oh <laughs> oh that's an interesting one. Um, I spent so much time looking at housing data that I, I barely ever, um, you know, um, one of one friend of mine said to me that uh, a good indicator for transitioning neighborhood is when you see moms with like uh, tr- uh, uh, strollers running around the neighborhood, that that means that the neighborhood is in, tr- is in tr- transition. Um, but, um, you know, m- more on a, on an immediate note, um, I'm, I'm trying to think, um, what um i don't have any good one right now um i'm I'm trying to think i mean everything is uh you know i i think what's going to be interesting to see to keep track of is what happens to um multifamily markets so condos you know uh uh return to the cities you know i think the cards have not really played out yet for what happens to downtowns, for what happens to commercial sector and office space. Um, And so I think, you know, because there's been less price appreciation in those markets over the last few years, that gives an opportunity for a young buyer to come into that market. Um, And so, you know, but it depends on how desirable they see that market at this point, you know, so um, and I don't know. That's an interesting one for so me. It could now be, too. Yeah, it could be a return to cities because I know that they're you know living so close to New York. There was there was an exodus from New York as soon as the pandemic hit, and then we've had yeah. like this work from home culture for two years. And then you know I think we heard Elon Musk say yesterday, "Get your yeah. butt to the office." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We're not going to be working remotely anymore if you're working for Tesla. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've had some level of what they call reshuffling up until this point, but I think there's more reshuffling to be done um, going forward because we really don't know really, 
you know, what our work from home or work from office situation is going to look like. The other thing is, um, you know, some of the strongest home uh, price appreciation markets are markets where people have been coming from areas that are more affordable, but people are moving in for more for more expensive areas. So whether that's people going down to southeast of U.S. or moving to the Mountain West from the West uh, Coast areas, um, so you know markets like Florida, markets like Arizona, Utah, um, even you know Carolinas, Tennessee, have seen you know upwards of 30, 40 percent appreciation in last you know most recent data. Um, you know. So what happens to that when um, if people can't stay, you know, if people go back? I mean, I'm sure to some degree, these are a lot of these are retirees, you know, and so they've had a lot of equity that they've uh, been able to accumulate this one particular over the last couple of years. And now they take that cash, they go to these areas. So but what about the folks that are not necessarily um you know, they moved there because they were able to work from home, um, you know, so so that's, I don't know, that's one interesting point for me to to keep an eye on. Um, well, and you know, I think we also had this study that said, or the study that came out the other day where like people are putting off retirement, they can't retire because of inflation. And these are people who might be at the lower level, who might be renting, might not necessarily be, be homeowners, but, you know, also the delaying of, retirement means that, you know, maybe they're not going to sell their home and move to a sunnier location. Yeah, right. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we saw a jump in people, number of people retiring, you know, um, or early retirement. But then what has been happening since the spike in inflation is that people and very, very tight uh, job market is that people who thought that they retired are now thinking, okay, well, now I can get this job. You know, everything is costing me more. <laughs> and now, you know, there's all these jobs available out there. I may go in for a few more years um, and make it work better in my retirement than just staying retired right now. So I think we're seeing some of those folks coming back into the employment market. So you're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. We'll be back with today's headlines after a word from our sponsor. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. Here are today's headlines for June 8th. Mortgage applications fell again to a 22-year low. They dropped last week to 6.5% according to the MBA. Home prices jumped another 20.9% in April. According to CoreLogic, rising mortgage rates drove buyer urgency and the resulting price growth with about 70% of US homes selling for more than the asking price this spring. And finally, OfferPad released a survey that shows Americans find it stressful to sell their home. 62% say preparing for a sale negatively impacted their mental health and 63% consider taking their home off the market because of the tedious process of showings and open houses. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. 
You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.